Before we get started, I wanted to let you know that there is an extended episode available on Ko-Fi. The link is in the notes. It's quite funny. Pippa is hilarious. Whether you decide to donate or not, I hope you enjoy this episode. Kia ora and welcome to this episode of the Amateur Austenite. I'm Frances Duncan, an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. My special guest today is Pippa. Howdy. Pippa, what's your knowledge of Jane Austen? Everything that you have elegantly pushed on me. <laughs> Frances doesn't make her friends take drugs. She just makes them do Jane Austen thingies. And that's okay because now I'm far more educated because I have read the first sentence of Pride and Prejudice and I have read about a third of Emma and I have talked publicly about it at the society. Yeah, she tricked everyone into thinking she'd read the whole book. Oops. It was funny though because everyone thought it was fantastic. So we've read letter one and two together and now we're going to read letter three. I am foaming at the mouth to know what the hell happens because I can see some things boiling up. Letter three. Mrs. Vernon to Lady de Courcy. Churchill. My dear mother, I am very sorry to tell you that it will not be in our power to keep our promise of spending the Christmas with you. And we are prevented that happiness by a circumstance which is not likely to make us any amends. Lady Susan, in a letter to her brother, has declared her intention of visiting us almost immediately. And as such a visit is in all probability merely an affair of convenience, it is impossible to conjecture its length. I was by no means prepared for such an event, nor can I now account for her ladyship's conduct. Langford appeared so exactly the place for her in every respect, as well from the elegant and expensive style of living there, as from her particular attachment to Mrs. Manwaring, that I was very far from expecting so speedy a distinction, though I always imagined from her increasing friendship for us since her husband's death, that we should at some future period be obliged to receive her. Mr. Vernon, I think, was a great deal too kind to her when he was in Staffordshire. Her behaviour to him, independent of her general character, has been so inexcusably artful and ungenerous since our marriage was first in agitation that no one less amiable and mild than himself could have overlooked it at all, and though as her brother's widow and in narrow circumstances it was proper to render her pecuniary assistance, I cannot help thinking his pressing invitation to her to visit us at Churchill perfectly unnecessary. Disposed, however, as he always is to think the best of everyone, her display of grief and professions of regret and general resolutions of prudence were sufficient to soften his heart and make him really confide in her sincerity. But as for myself, I am still unconvinced. And plausibly, as her ladyship has now written, I cannot make up my mind till I better understand her real meaning in coming to us, you may guess, therefore, my dear madam, with what feelings I look forward to her arrival. She will have occasion for all those attractive powers for which she is celebrated to gain any share of my regard, and I shall certainly endeavour to guard myself against their influence, if not accompanied by something more substantial. 
she expresses a most eager desire of being acquainted with me and makes me very generous mention of my children. But I am not quite weak enough to suppose a woman who has behaved with inattention, if not unkindness, to her own child should be attached to any of mine. Miss Vernon is to be placed at a school in town before her mother comes to us, which I am glad of, for her sake and my own. It must be to her advantage to be separated from her mother, and a girl of sixteen who has received so wretched an education would not be a very desirable companion here. Reginald has long wished, I know, to see this captivating lady Susan, and we shall depend on his joining our party soon. I am glad to hear that my father continues so well, and Anne, with best love, etc. Catherine Vernon. Whoa! What is going on? Can you just tell me what happens? I'm not going to spoil it. <laughs> is there a video? There is a movie. <laughs> so right. I'm trying very hard not to do spoilers because lots of people haven't read it. So mm-hmm. we're reading it so they don't have to read it separately. Mm-hmm. And they can listen to this and we're not going to spoil what happens. Mm. That's the funny thing about Austin. You start reading and it just sounds like the dictionary thesaurus entry for words that are synonyms for pleasurable. And then it just turns into an engaging romp. Because everybody actually wants something and they're trying to get it in the most unnoticeable way possible. Unnoticeable is not a word I'd use for Lady Susan, though. I feel sorry for her daughter. As we were talking about it, you're like, well, she obviously doesn't like older children. She only likes little Mm. ones. She's going to dump her daughter. Does she really like little children either? Or does she want to get amongst some people? And if so, why? And obviously this Catherine Vernon person is like, you're joking, mate. She makes really clear in the second letter that she is basically going to make friends with the kids to suck up to Mrs. Mm. Vernon. Because note, Mr. and Mrs. Vernon have been married and have kids, but Lady Susan has never met the wife or the kids. These are her in-laws. How come they haven't met? Sounds like they don't live that far away. How far is Churchill from Langford? It's the other side of London. Langford is not where she lives, it's where she's staying. And she's kind of being kicked out. So she's sort of elegantly homeless? Yes. What do you think of Lady Susan so far, the character? Well, I wouldn't trust her, but I just don't really know her. If I had a house and she said she was coming to stay, I might put an artificial limit on it. You know, I've got someone coming to stay in a month, so you're sweet till then. She needs some things, okay? It's been made clear that she may need a place to stay and in the previous letter where it was made clear that the price of the school she's sticking her daughter in is much beyond what she can ever attempt to pay. So what's she expecting? Someone else is going to pay. Who? Who is going to pay? Or is she going to do a runner? So things were kind of different during the Regency period or for a long time in England, right? That you had a certain rank and Mm. therefore people respected you and assumed that you would pay but it would be rude to press you to pay so she's coasting along on her honor or that of her deceased husband her title probably has a big amount to do with it she's lady susan so that's Mm. quite impressive to people that helps it's like the movie i was telling you about mrs harris goes to paris Mm. and it's set in 1947 But she has a lady who is Lady Dent, 
interestingly, who was Caroline Bingley in the 1995 BBC Pride and Prejudice. And she is behind on her bill. But Mrs. Harris keeps giving her allowances because she's a lady and it's what's expected. So we are seeing, as usual, a world of undeserved privilege. Actually, that's a really good way to describe Lady Susan. She might meet her match in Mrs. Vernon, though, because she sees through her. She's saying the visit is, in all probability, merely an affair of convenience. A most eager desire of being acquainted with me. And makes very generous mention of my children. But she's behaved with inattention, if not unkindness, to her own child. So I don't expect she'll be attached to mine. Up with that. I don't know what she's going to do. I know she needs money and somewhere to stay, but she's got other streams of interest going on. I feel like she's not going to arrive, chuck her suitcase in the spare room, and then go sit by the pool and read a book. She's up to something. Mrs. Vernon notes that Mr. Vernon has been giving Lady Susan money. Naturally. His brother's widow, in narrow circumstances, it was proper to render her pecuniary assistance. (laughs) Yes. What a lovely way of saying, you're poor, yo. (laughs) (laughs) I like how Mrs. Vernon just says spending the Christmas. Not this Christmas or Christmas, but the Christmas. I wonder if it's a shorthand for the Christmas holiday. Maybe, but but none of them work. Exactly, they didn't have holidays. (laughs) If you don't work, you don't get a holiday, so ha-ha. I mean, it's almost like... In these days, you know, is it the last Christmas? I don't know. Mrs. Vernon can't understand why she's coming because she's really good friends with Mrs. Mannering and they have an elegant and expensive style of living and she's very aware that at Churchill it's not as fancy. Hmm. Basically, Langford sounds like a party house. I'm saying that in every episode. Many partying characters in many stories. It sounds like she's living beyond her means. What is she up to? Does it amuse you to see me squirm with unknowingness? Like, this is the great thing, though, because you want to read more, so you're actually going, this is really interesting. And a lot of people can find Jane Austen dry and unapproachable, Hmm. but Lady Susan is her unvarnished. She's not doing this for the public. She's writing something that she really likes. In her modern novels, I think they were for public appeal. Who are the eligible men at Churchill? There aren't any. Because it's her brother, right? Her brother-in-law, because they have the same surname. So the only eligible man that has been mentioned thus far is Sir James Martin, who she has seduced, Hmm. but she seduced on behalf of her daughter. So he's sort of on the back burner or the, the daughter list. Yeah. Okay, so we're looking at ineligible but persuadable, suggestible men or lesbians. Who are the lesbians at Churchill? List, please. There are none. Not even that horse on the cover. It looks less to me. Having said that, we do have a mention of Reginald. Yeah, who's this Reg guy? Reggie, as we call him, is Catherine Vernon's brother. Okay. So he's Reginald de Courcy and he will be the next Sir... Reginald de Corsi. Well, that's handy. Is he coming to visit as well? Yeah, so he is obsessed with Lady Susan. 
He has long wished to see this captivating Lady Susan. So he hasn't met her yet? No, he's only heard of her by rumour. Is uh, Mrs. Vernon going to invite? She says in the letter she's inviting him. Actually, she doesn't say I'm inviting him. She just says we shall depend on his joining our party soon. Is she okay with that? That Lady Susan might hook up with him? Oh, she doesn't expect that Lady Susan's going to hook up with her brother. She thinks he's just going to come and be judgy of Lady Susan. Okay, so may the best outfit win. Well, you know, I know Austin enough to know it's about hookups. And I mean that in the most formal way possible. The other thing that's worth mentioning is how you pronounce mannering. It's spelt man-wearing. Oh, it's one of those English words. Because English is a bastardized language, which has a lot of different roots. Okay, so how do you say? Mannering. Mannering. Of course it is. Like marchipanks. That is our discussion of letter three of Lady Susan by Jane Austen. I'm Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan and on Instagram at Francis Duncan does. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading. Lazy Susan. <laughs> Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice heavily Pride-focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!